Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. And today we continue in this sermon series on, on prayer. And maybe you come into this place and, and you have questions about prayer. What does it look like? How do I do it? What's it all about? Or maybe you've been in a, a struggling season in your prayer life, a, a dry spell, and, and you're wondering, where do I even start? How do I begin again? And I want us to, to think about us as we come before the Lord in prayer, as we come before God the King, as we come before the one whose kingdom is everlasting, the one who's far above any earthly power, as we come before the one whose name is above every other name, what's our first move? Our passage today, it shows us as we come before God, not, not some earthly ruler, but but God, the king, our first move is to bow and praise and adoration. If you want to turn with me, our passage today is Psalm 145. If you want to find it in your Bible or on your Bible app or follow along on the screens, hear God's word. I will exalt you, my God, the king, I'll praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all, he, all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. Loving Father, we praise you that you have drawn us to yourself 
that you've brought us to yourself, that you've brought us into this place. And we pray, God, that you would speak to us, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hands, that we might receive from you bread of life. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're in our second week on our sermon series on prayer, These Things I Pray. And as we explore the power of prayer, we're looking at these four movements of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And today we begin with this this first movement in prayer, adoration. Which means before we, we bring our laundry list to God, before we start naming our, our needs, before we bring our, our prayer requests, we're starting with this posture of praise. And I have to tell you, as, as I've thought about it, I, I've come to realize that I struggle with this. That I can reduce prayer to, to God, here are my requests. Here are, are my needs. I can reduce prayer to something like stopping for coffee at Dutch Brothers. You know, like I, I'm going through the drive through I'll give you my order, you give me the coffee, and I'll be off and on with my day. I don't even have to, to stop my car. I don't have to get out of my car. I don't take the keys out of the ignition. God, you can be you know, chipper and, and chatty like the Dutch Brothers people, but I'm just here to receive, to get what I came for, and I'm gone. Do you ever feel like that in your prayer life with God? Like it's just a, a transaction, some sort of quick give and take. But is that what prayer is about? Is that the sum total of prayer? Remember, as we talked about last week, that, that prayer is not so much us pulling God into our world, but, but us being pulled into God's world. Scholar N.T. Wright says that, that prayer is this invitation that you and I, we're being invited into the life of God the life shared between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Wright says this, he says, we are welcomed into God's very presence. Think about that for a moment. In prayer, we're, we're welcomed into God's very presence. And we see through prayer a door standing open in heaven. And we are ushered into the throne room, but no longer there as mere observers, we're there as beloved children. That prayer is entering into the very presence of God. It's, it's an encounter with the living God. And here's what we find. Adoration flows from encounter. Adoration flows from encounter. We see it in, in Isaiah 6. The prophet Isaiah, he sees the Lord high and exalted. He sees the Lord. And this song surrounds him, the seraphim, these angelic beings, they're, they're calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Revelation chapter four, the veil is, is pulled back. And we see the scene of worship. And the 24 elders, they, they fall down before the Lord, before the beauty, before the glory of the Lord and they cry out, you are worthy our Lord and God to receive honor and power. You're worthy to receive glory. This worship, this, this adoration flows from encountering the living God. And like in those scenes of worship, through prayer as, 
as we enter into the very presence of God, our first move is adoration. Before I get anything off my chest, before I bring my, my doubts, my laments, my questions, my requests, can I just tell you, God, how good you are? Can I just proclaim your beauty? Can I declare your worth? That's what we see in our psalm today, her passage. Line after line in our psalm calling us to praise, reminding us of who our God is. C.S. Lewis, he once wrote this. He said, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. Church, that's, that's adoration. This delight in God that made the angels cry holy, that made the elders sing worthy, that leads our psalmist in Psalm 145 to write verse one and two, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. And our psalm, it, it starts with, with one individual lifting up his voice, but it moves from there the psalmist calls all of the generations of God's people into praise. Verse four, one generation commending your works to another. And then the psalmist in this ever-expanding circle calls all of creation, all people into praise. And I can't help but think of our, our mission statement as a church when I read this. To prepare all generations to impact lives for Christ, this ever-widening movement, this ever-widening story. Yes, you come as, as one individual, offering your voice, offering yourself before the Lord, but we're getting caught up in this much bigger story, this, this ever-widening community of praise, this, this anthem of adoration to our God. And what does that look like? That sort of praise, that sort of, of adoration, what does it look like? Well, the words flow in our psalm. Words like, like worthy, greatness, greatness that, that no one can fathom, mighty acts, glorious splendor, wonderful works, great deeds. We're talking about not just goodness, but, but abundant goodness, the psalmist says. Let's praise him for remember who our God is. Remember who our God is, this God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich, and love, and you gotta hear, you gotta know, we have to declare our God is good to all. This is our God who has compassion on all that he has made, who is trustworthy, who is faithful, who upholds those who fall, who lifts up those who are bowed down, who opens his hand and satisfies. This is our God who's near, who hears, who rescues. And after reflecting, meditating on who the Lord is, the psalmist closes in verse 21, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. In Psalm 145, it's teaching us, church. It's teaching us how to pray. How to pray these, these prayers of of adoration in the midst of all that we face, all that's going on in our world, all that we're uh, carrying on our, on our hearts, all that's weighing us down, in the midst of everything, it's teaching us how to pray, praising God for who he is, calling to mind who he is, meditating on that, reminding ourselves, and praising God for what he's done. 
And in this way, this, this psalm, it's pointing to this really important shift in prayer. That we come not focusing on ourselves, not starting with ourselves. Yes, we'll get to our confession, we'll, we'll get to our request, but we're not starting there. We're focusing on the Lord. Now let's be honest, most of life is spent focused on ourselves. Most of the time, you know, we're focusing on ourselves. Like, for example, my phone automatically categorizes all the photos I take, and there's a category in there for selfies. And you wanna know how many selfies are currently on my phone? 114. Now they're not all of me, so, so don't judge me. Most of them are, so go ahead and judge a little. <laughs> Most of life is spent focusing on ourselves, and, and my prayer life can reflect that. But there's this, this deliberate move we're talking about. This deliberate move in prayer focusing first on the Lord, bowing before the Lord in praise and adoration. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, he reminded me of something. He says, you know, we know something the Israelites didn't know. Church, we know the saving work of God in Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we know the full extent, the full expression of the Lord's greatness and love. We know the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. We know the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth, the visible image of the invisible God. We know Jesus who came on the scene proclaiming the kingdom of God was near, who sat down and ate with sinners and tax collectors, who welcomed little children, who welcomed women, who welcomed outcasts, who embraced the leper, who made room for the least of these. Christ who loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, to God, oh great, great are you, Lord. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Oh, what mercy flows from the heart of God. What beauty is revealed in Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one. As the old hymn goes, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Church, our first move in prayer, it's, it's adoration. And I suppose we, we could stop there. We could end the sermon there, but, but let's pause for a moment. What about our, our lives? I mean, we declare the Lord is, is worthy, but what about when the de our, our delight in God starts to slip and, and slide down our list of, of priorities? What about when, when other things start to crowd out our, our adoration of the Lord? I mean, I, I adore a lot of things. I adore my husband, I adore my friends, I adore cold brew coffee. I adore the fact I'll be able to drink it again soon. 
I adore my smartphone. I adore comfort and safety. I adore getting things done and, and being efficient. I have a lot of competing adorations. And God, who alone is, is, who alone is worthy, who, who we can never praise enough, well, well, God starts to get bumped down the list. And here's the problem. As the great theologian Augustine once said, our loves are not rightly ordered. Things that should not be supremely loved, adored, they start to make their way to the top, and God, who alone is worthy of our worship, who alone is, is worthy of all adoration, he gets knocked from that position. So let me, let me give you a few examples of this. I went to undergrad at the University of Florida. Go Gators. Anybody? No. Jim? No? <laughs> And so every, every home game in the fall, you know, some 80,000 people are, are, are coming into the stadium decked out in, in orange and blue. And of course, there's all kinds of chants and cheers and, and songs that, that go along with the football game. And one of those songs is our alma mater that we sing at the game. And I want you to hear the words to this. Florida, our alma mater, thy glorious name we praise. It gets worse. <laughs> All thy loyal sons and daughters a joyous song shall raise. Neath the orange and blue victorious, our love shall never fail. There's no other name so glorious. All hail Florida, hail. I felt guilty saying that in here. <laughs> and I remember, you know, being like 20 years old and in the stadium and, and singing and, and just being like, wait, what? <laughs> What? And I, I remember talking with this woman about this song, this woman who deeply loves Jesus, and I was like, you know, isn't that a little, uh, what's the word, uh, blasphemous? <laughs> and she was like, no, no, it's, it's football. <laughs> sure, it's, it's football, but it can be worship. It can be the supreme adoration. Or how about this, there's this song that's popular on the radio right now by Florida Georgia Line, and, and the singer, speaking of this sort of salvation experience he, he's experienced through this relationship, he says this about this woman. He says, you're holy, 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 holy. She gets four holies. <laughs> I'm high on loving you. And, and you could say, okay, these are extreme examples. This is, you know, hyperbole but it points to something, right? That we're made to, to glorify God and enjoy God forever, but, but adoration for God can get knocked out of that top place. It could be a relationship that does it. Yes, it could be our, our love for our football team. It could be our career, our, our hobbies, our politics. It could be this pursuit of, of power or, or popularity, this pursuit of material goods or, or thrilling experiences, and our loves become disordered. And honestly, our, our prayer life reflects that, or at least mine does. And, and so what's the solution? How do we rightly order our loves? How do we love God above, above everything else? James K. A. Smith, who I'll refer to a lot, and, and much of what I'll say comes from him, he says this, he says, ever had the experience of hearing an incredibly illuminating and informative sermon on Sunday? Clearly not talking about this sermon, but you get the idea. Waking up Monday morning with new resolve and conviction to be different and already failing by Tuesday night. 
He goes on to say that we don't think our ways into new behaviors. The point, y'all, is not just to sit here and sort of collectively grit our teeth and say we're gonna adore Jesus more. Now we need the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit who dwells in every follower of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to, to change us, to shape us, to form us, to make us into worshipers, lovers of the one true God. And so Smith says we take up habits, practices, that shape our loves. And in these practices, we're, we're just creating space for the Holy Spirit to move, to for, form us. And so what are some of those practices that we take up? Well, first, I want us to think about our time right now, our time gathered in worship. Every Sunday, we gather together as the people of God. And I, I know for some people, maybe it seems like going to church, going to worship, being a part of this can seem like maybe like at best a helpful add-on to the Christian life. Like, do we really need to, to gather in worship? But here at First Pres, we talk a lot about this commitment to be here, this priority to be here. And in part, it's because we recognize that this is space as we worship space for the Lord to reorient us, to bring us back again and again to our first love. So think about what we do when we gather. There's a call to worship, reorienting us, the Lord reorienting us back as we pray, as we confess our sins, as we hear the gospel proclaimed, as we hear the word proclaimed, as we share in the sacraments all of it reorienting us back to our first love, shaping us, forming us, and then we're sent out as agents of new creation. And what about in, in the rest of our week? What are daily practices that shape us? I know of someone who every time he got in his car, he said the Lord's Prayer. Before he began his commute to work, at the end of the day, before he headed home, he prayed. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A simple practice. It's shaping him. I heard of a pastor outside of Chicago, and, and he begins uh, every day getting out of bed by, by hitting his knees before he brushes his teeth, before he sends a single email, before he dreams up all of his great plans for the day, he hits his, his knees. I mean, I, th I think about, you know, most mornings, uh, the first thing I do is, is, is grab my cell phone. <laughs> I was thinking this week, there's this practice to start of, instead of doing that, to begin to pray, holy, 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 are you Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. Incredibly simple practice, right? But how might the Holy Spirit grab the affection of my heart? What if we began to pray the Psalms daily? Use Psalm 145 as a template, begin to pray that. How might the Lord turn your heart towards him? What are the practices that you engage in? The Holy Spirit might move in you. And all these things, the things we do as a gathered community, the things we do in our daily lives, we're just simply saying, Lord, we need you to reorder our hearts, to rightly shape our hearts. We want to be a community that delights in you, that adores you above everything else. For Lord, we've seen you in your sanctuary. 
We've gazed upon your power. And we've tasted your goodness. We've knelt at your cross. And every day, we want to bless your holy name. Amen. We're going to enter now into a time of, of prayer. And the band is going to come back up. And this is just space for, for, for you to pray. Psalm 145, pieces of the psalm will appear on the screen and, and there will be a prompt, prompting you into prayers of adoration. Space to come before the Lord. So as we enter into this time of prayer, I'll, I'll start us in prayer. Lord, you are worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. So hear us now, your beloved children, as we enter into your throne room and declare your praise. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.